Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights and information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Saurabh Singh, President of ICICI Foundation, and we will take some good lessons in good CSR from him. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Thank you very much indeed. In fact, I will tell you how I know ICICI Foundation. So I don't need to see any of your ads. I don't need to see any of your efforts to reach out and tell people what ICICI Foundation is. I'll tell you what my experience has been. A month back, I was doing some research for an interview for this channel with a president and founder, one of the founders of a top school in Himachal Pradesh. And there I found that ICICI Foundation is there in the education sector in Himachal Pradesh. Again, three days back, one of my friends in the media, his father was detected with cancer. He went back to Mujafarpur, took a leave, and then he told me, that here in Muzaffarpur, there is the Tata Memorial Hospital. He said, here ICSI Foundation is there and they are work they have a ward which they are working on. ICSI Foundation is in healthcare. And as of today, early morning, his father was operated yesterday for 10 hours and he is recuperating in a ward, taking care of uh, you know, taken care of by ICICI Foundation. So for me, that is my experience of ICICI Foundation being present on the ground. For me, that's a wonderful experience. And I'm sure it's a great experience to, for you to know it. But for me, being an ICICI bank customer for many, many years, it makes me feel good. And I can understand the toil that must have gone in all those years to reach, you know, 500 plus districts, we have got around 600 plus districts in the country. So if you reach to such a level, if it was a bank branch, it was understood. But if a ICICI foundation activities, they reach more than 500 districts in the country, then it means a lot. And that is why I thought you would be the ideal person as president of ICICI foundation to give some true good lessons in good CSR for to a lot of people. So welcome once again. I just will ask you about the CSR part. It began in 2014, you know, and that was implemented there. Initially, what was as a bank when you, obviously you people were doing a lot of great work. Uh, ICSI Foundation was already there, but how was the reaction of corporates to government legislation like this, you know, for mandatory CSR, that was way back, eight years back. Uh, thank you for those kind words, Ajay. And uh, it really feels good uh, to hear some of the examples where people have uh, experienced ICSI Foundation. And uh, I'll try and connect that to whatever response I'm giving. So uh, ICSI Foundation was established in 2008. And uh, the legislation came in 2014. Yes. 
so certainly the idea of development or the idea of social development had cropped in in the court of directors and they had founded icsf foundation and icsf foundation was working with common people across the country when the legislation came typical of any legislation it gives guidelines it gives prescriptions but definitely there was a reaction as to why 2% I mean, why it can't be voluntary? And voluntarily, most of the corporates were involved in some kind of philanthropy or some kind of social development. Right. So there was an initial reaction in 2014 that now you're forcing us and how will we manage and what we'll do. And true to the spirit of corporates, very soon things came in line, things got structured. People decided their plans on how to spend the money. And uh, of course, the initial hiccups were there that uh, in year one or year two or year three, how do you spend your 2%? But as you progress, you have your projects coming up and the projects getting implemented. The projects also pick up steam. So over a period of time, all the corporates realized that yes, the initial few years were tough. But as and when, various CSR teams got together, various programs got together. Now, if you look at it, listen to any corporate, so many TV ads have started coming and most of the corporates have started bragging what they have done in CSR. So now I'm finding more than their products, they're talking of their social connect. Now, right. a legislation which was criticized in 2014 has become a point of pride for every organization and one more part i want to mention is uh see before the legislation we did not know what kind of money would go into this but today we are clearly talking of almost about 30 35000 crores being spent on csr most organizations have reached their 2% some organizations are yet to reach their 2% but 30 35000 crores of csr money getting to social development will bring about a change in the country which the country has not seen or observed earlier. So there's going to be a big remarkable change which we can see in the next few years. Right, right. But tell us, uh, there have been, you know, different views from the corporate itself that, you know, there is constant change in the CSR guidelines. Now, how do you see from where you are sitting at at the moment? And Obviously, in the last several years, there have been issues. Some would call it contentious. Some would call it, you know, and in a different way, they would like to have a look at it. So what is your view on the so-called changing, you know, CSR guidelines from the government side? From time to time, there have been changes. And uh, let's accept that uh, every time there's a change, uh, there's some amount of skepticism which crops up as to why this change and uh, why our compliance is going up, why guidelines are becoming stringent. But the way I see it, that uh, initially, the government just said 2% and gave a lot of freedom to the corporates. I think they were responsible corporates and they were irresponsible corporates. Both were happening. And uh, there were certainly uh, some kind of investments which had happened which were not true CSR and rightfully some amount of guidelines have to evolve 
so if you ask my opinion it's a evolution process uh, at icsa foundation we are not impacted by these guidelines so we are not worried but yes if some foundations had alternate ideas alternate thoughts and uh, because of the guidelines they are now had to change their strategy or change their path definitely do think but Guidelines are required because uh, this 2% money has to go for social welfare. All of us know that when uh, economic development happens, the gap between the rich and the poor increases. And if this fund is used for the social and economic development of the people who have been left behind, it will do a lot of good for the country. And that's how I look at it. Some amount of guidelines is just putting uh, is I would say channelizing things in the right place. Okay, but is there anything uh, that you uh, consider should be looked at by the government which will uh, make your not just your life but corporates' life, you know, other other companies' life better in terms of you know function uh, doing this particular work. Uh, my experience that uh, this area is in a nascent stage. The CSR policies, the CSR strategies, both from the government side and the private sector side, or even the public sector, it's all in a nascent stage. You don't have CSR professionals. You have okay. people who are doing some other work, have volunteered to work on CSR, or have been... Uh, moved by the organizations to work on CSR. So unlike a finance professional or a marketing professional or HR professional, we have a shortage of CSR professionals. Rather, as an a country, we never produce CSR professionals. So it will take some time to mature. And the path to maturity always has hiccups. So I think it's let's take it in the stride. It's a wonderful thing to have happened. 2% of profit does not harm any corporate, but it does make a lot of difference to the society where it gets invested. Right, right. As you said earlier, a lot of people were doing, even corporates were doing a lot of philanthropy activities. And initially, some people thought, why to make it mandatory? Why is the government insisting on that? Now, how do you look at CSR and philanthropy then? I mean, are... How different are both, both these particular terms as per you? See, I have my personal views on this. Uh, and I don't expect everyone to subscribe to my views. But uh, luckily for me, uh, my board and all also agree with this, that philanthropy is something which is best left to individuals. Okay. I may want to build a temple. I may want to build, uh, support a certain family. I may want to support my uh, school or I may want to support my uh, school teacher. These are things, acts of philanthropy. Whoever has something and can contribute to the people who have been helpful, our friends, that's a absolutely different uh, ball game altogether. But when we speak of uh, CSR, in my mind, because it's linked to economics, it's linked to development, and as I mentioned earlier, the economic development leaves the poor behind. So this 2% is 
important to be invested in socio-economic development of people because philanthropy gets consumed. When investment is made in socio-economic development, it brings about a permanent change. Now, whatever I'm saying may not be 100% true, but even if it's 70% true, that uh, whatever CSR 2% is getting invested in socio-economic development, it will make a lot of difference to the society in times to come. And philanthropy is something which gets consumed. It's here and now. And after that, again, the individual or that group is again ready for the next tranche of philanthropy. So okay. my recommendation always that CSR should be well spent in terms of socio-economic development. Once in a while, there could be disasters which are natural and which will happen. And I think some amount of partial investment of CSR funds in disaster relief is also important. But beyond that, it should primarily focus on socio-economic development. But that's purely my view. And that's the view my organization also holds. Perfectly all right. And I think I, I, I too would like to agree with that because when you do things in a very organized manner, obviously the contribution, the output is totally much more, you know, uh, strong and better. Philanthropy is much more of an individual sort of a stuff, which people had been doing. Now also people do it. They call themselves philanthropist or philanthropy, but that's, that's something to, you know, about wider discussion that we can have. Now coming back to ICICI foundation itself, sir. How does it work? As I said earlier, 500 plus, uh, you know, districts out of 600 plus districts overall in the country. It's like running a big organization uh, in, in, in its own way and impacting people's life with so many areas that you are covering. I was just looking at your, you know, the way you people are working, you know, in, uh, in different, different areas on uh, even to the even on the other section also you had health camps, wildlife conflict, watershed maintenance, management, dialysis machines, digital literacy, nutrition for children ailing from cancer, preserving heritage music. This is apart from that big areas that you will mention. So how do you work all this and put this together? And how does your system work? I'm asking it so that others can also learn. It's it's like a template that you would share with us so that, and I'm asking it for, for the sake of everybody uh, because CSR is, is growing bigger day by day. See, this is a very interesting question and uh, it comes up repeatedly in the life of people who work with ICICI. The first thing I would like to say is uh, I would like to give credit for this to the DNA of ICICI, our predecessors, so, I mean, currently I'm the fourth president of ICSF Foundation. There have been three others who have uh, held this position before me. And we get guided by the board of uh, the organization. And this is my 22nd year of working with the group. What one has learned in this group is whatever you do, do it at a size, make it big have impact, have larger impact as much as possible and think of the society, think of the country. So I mean, right from day one, when we have been working, whether we work for business or for product or for services, we always think in the same lines that yes, 
we are here for the good of India, the largest society at large. So every time we sit on the drawing board, making any plan, all our plans are, there could be a small pilot, but then we think of how it can be expanded. So if we are working on uh, ecology product projects in and around the forest, typically a forest dweller or people residing next to the forest. I mean, unfortunately, there are enough policies and funds for protection of the forest, protection of wildlife, but there's not much funds available for protection of the people who are living in the forest or on the periphery of the forest. And typically the forests are areas which are most backward. So if one has to service the backward people who have been cut off from the development. These are the people who are staying inside the forest or next to the forest. So where you can never go wrong on identifying this uh, set of beneficiary. And if you look at the number of forests across the country and the number of districts which have them, that itself will take you to almost a hundred districts. So if you, so I'm just saying one thing that social, socioeconomic development of people, forest dwellers or people residing uh, in the vicinity of the forest, if you work with them, you're working more than hundred districts. If you're working, uh, assume on uh, districts which are water starved, again, you land up with about a hundred districts which are uh, deficient on waterfall and they need to have structures which in some form or the other are able to store or recharge the water so that they have enough water for at least the second crop and the third crop. So if you really work on themes, any theme you pick up, I mean, if you're talking of fish, the shortage of fish across the country, I mean, instead of mentioning fish, I would say, if you talk of protein, Protein as a theme, the prices of protein keeps going up consistently, whether it's the vegetarian's protein or the animal protein. And look at the consumption basket of the animal protein. The consumption has been increasing as the population is growing. And there is a consistent demand and shortage of protein across the country. Whether you're talking of goats, you're talking of fish, you're talking of pigs. And if you look on the other side, we have seen how pulse prices of pulses have gone up, how price of paneer is high. So every kind of protein in India, we need to improve the production. And if you start working on them as a theme, again, you'll cross more than hundred districts. So even if you pick up five or six themes to work on, you'll land up working with 500 districts. Right, but that's that's the way you know you are putting it humbly. Now, the why do you land up in so many districts is because you have good intentions to land up in many places. You cannot, you can afford not to do it. Also, you know, and and as you said that there is a lot of understanding. It's the you know or the DNA of the group, the organization. Now that is what helps you. Now, as a CSR person. Or as the president of such a huge responsibility, what is your advice to people where come it is good CSR is not perhaps in their DNA? How do they do good work when they have been they have the responsibility to do work? But then there are others in this organization 
I, I hope you get it what I mean. So that is the training actually needed how to do the good work and also keep people who are employing them happy. See, my comment, I can only comment about the organization I work. We get tremendous support from our board, tremendous amount of freedom. We design our strategies and uh, we present our strategies and uh, most often the strategies are placed and uh, it's the blessing of uh, seniors which is the board of directors and their agenda that we are able to do things at a large scale. I'll, I mean when I talk of CSR and uh, organizations, I think the starting point is uh, excellent everywhere. So. Everyone's intention is very good. But I would not doubt the intention of any organization when it comes to CSR. Uh, I think the framework in which people think, that would differ. So as I narrated earlier that at ICICI, we have been trained to think of country, we are trained to think of development. With IC, the old ICICI was a development finance institution. So the agenda with which it was created was developed. Now there are other organizations which are product centric. They may have their own challenges. They may have their, uh, could be geographical challenge, people challenge, or not having people who understand enough of uh, uh, everything. So there are challenges. So let's say um, when we work for a bank, we are giving a home loan, we are giving auto loan, we are giving a corporate loan, we are giving a farmer loan. So the various kinds of activities which are happening. So as a large bank in the country, our exposure to the society is very large. Now, same thing when you take it to a product company, they probably will have a two or three manufacturing centers and probably presence in another about 40 or 50 towns or cities for distribution of the product. Beyond that, it would get outsourced to third party. Now, <clears throat> so the, the area of impact itself is limited. So when you talk ICICI, we are present in most of the districts. So we have a branch somewhere or the other in every district. But that itself makes our reach very different from other organizations. Every organization thinks good, but given the limited area of operations, whether geographically or uh, maybe led by their products, they typically li limit themselves to areas which are more manageable. Because at the end of the day, we are also supposed to do impact studies and report. So whatever is manageable for an organization, they're doing it. And as I had mentioned earlier, we are in a stage of evolution. A lot of organizations are evolving every day. We are seeing new and new innovations coming from multiple organizations every day. And it's a matter of time that uh, things will pick up and be at a very different level from where we are seeing today. Right, sir. I will come to the CSR professionals part, but I would like to understand, yeah, in spite of all the things going great for you, uh, and your organization in terms of what are, there must be still challenges that you face. Now, if you are, I will, I will come to your answer. Uh, but if I look, 
if i look it from my point of view so much a big many product projects are going on at the same time the biggest challenge could be of motivating all the people within the system who are working on different projects because as you said not everybody is a trained csr professional somebody must be from a different line a lot of them must be there willingly willing with willingness a few may not be there how do you keep the flock together and motivated towards the cause obviously just being employed may not be the only reason so there is a larger goal behind it how do you do that as an organization and as the president of icsa foundation that again i'll uh, take it back to the tnf icsa at icsa we always believe that uh, people and their passion is what drives the business can be learned product can be learned so there are things which can be learned someone will learn fast someone will maybe a slightly slow learner but things which can be learned should not be the different differentiator the differentiator is the individual and the passion the individual carries i mean if you take my example i was an hr professional 2012 i moved out now i'm handling banking and along with banking i'm also handling the foundation so as an organization organization has supported me organization has permitted me to move across and the, with the same belief we built our team where people are extremely passionate about the cause and once people are passionate about the cause then how do we train them so as i was mentioning earlier that uh, we work on themes and when you put themes in place it's very easy to explain to people that what does the theme means to the economy of the country now take any example of protein as a theme the prices of protein has been hardening up and that's an advantage to the protein growers but in reality the growers have not benefited someone else has benefited so what does it take for a goat farmer or a pulse producer or a paneer producer or a mushroom producer to produce and sell their produce in the market and how can we help them get a better price for their production now that's how we think now should you be an agriculture graduate or should you be a food processing graduate to understand all this if you are you are lucky but if you are not then what do you do so the mantra is collaboration okay we carry passion we as individuals are willing to work and the knowledge gap we go and seek out from the various agriculture universities the veterinary universities the krishi vigyan kendras and we partner with them and along with the partnership we try and make a success story which that locality or that geography has not seen in the past so what we have seen i mean there are platforms i can uh, tell you that i've stood on a platform where uh, the local panchayat leader was there uh, professors from agriculture university were there people from forest department were there people from local administration were there two or three entrepreneurs were there and icsa foundation was there now such a big group doing what when such a big group collaborates 
can very easily make a difference to 2,000 families, 3,000 families in that geography. So, uh, our mantra of success is uh, have people with passion and collaborate. Collaborate internally, collaborate externally because there's no competition in this space. When you're talking CSR, yeah. you're looking at social code and collaboration is the best way of reaching out to social code. And if you, the day you start competing, you'll destroy the whole structure. So passion well, and collaboration are two things which differentiates us. That's uh, well put, sir. Very well put. So people who do not have that much of a scale as you people have, take CSR as like even for smaller companies, but who are meeting this criteria for, you know, so it is a CSR obligation. They, should they take it as an obligation or should they take it as uh, you know, something that they should do with passion. See, passion is what drives us and collaboration is what fills the gaps. Because there, none of us as an individual uh, should take credit for success. In oh. life, if you have achieved success, somewhere are parents, somewhere not, somewhere are teachers, somewhere our friends there is an ecosystem at every stage in life which helps us perform right so there's a early childhood ecosystem there is a college ecosystem and there, there is a corporate ecosystem but at every stage there is an ecosystem which helps you perform and that's why i said collaboration then okay. the day we start becoming self-centered that i have done this we'll lose out Right, sir. Right, sir. Now, very important for everyone to see collaboration. I mean, while I say this even in the business side, but business side still people may want to differ with me. But on the CSR, there is no other way but to collaborate. And even for business, I always say collaboration is the best method because end of the day, you're working for the society. The returns will come. If you're good, the society will give you returns. Need not worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can see the width of, of the, you know, collaborations you must be happy, having, you know, primary healthcare, elementary education, skill development, sustainable livelihood, financial inclusion and rural development. And then there is a segment called others where you have got all those different things that I initially talked about. So doing all these things, sir, uh, all the good things happening, what are the challenges that you people face actually on the ground? See, there are multiple challenges. Uh, first thing which we have been discussing is people competency. So when you hire people, you don't get uh, people who are ready for the job. They may have worked with a particular NGO or they may have worked for another CSR, but then uh, our projects would be different. So we hire people with intent, but then we need to prepare themselves. So th there are... One, when we create our teams, there are challenges. Then, when we go and do projects, the first thing I would like to mention is, no two villages same. No two village. Even if they are at a distance of uh, five kilometers from each other, most of the villages are very different in their uh, internal structures, the way they are governed, the way they produce 
the way they sell the lot of in a internal dynamics in every village that one has to go so it's very important for our team to have the ability to connect with the village to understand to build confidence that we have come here for their good and in most cases the first question is you are not from government <laughs> and in some cases they would not even have heard of uh, the organization i come from the rural india was not into banking till recently so there is a suspicion when are you there to take away their land or to take away their wealth what is your interest why would a person come with a selfless interest to a village so the villagers don't accept then you are talking of bringing about a change now if i have to take example of agriculture the oldest profession who is training people to become farmers nobody gets trained to become a farmer so there are practices they've learned from their forefathers or from their neighbors that's what they're practicing and then you're saying no your forefather was not competent enough or your forefather was wrong i'll teach you a better method so just understand i mean if i have grown grown up wearing a jeans and t-shirt and you tell me no that's not the right right dress you need to change your dress you need to wear something else the resistance i'll have is the same resistance when we go to a village the example and, you are quote the example you are quoting sir is some is only from is can only come from a person who has seen things on the ground i can fully relate to it so when you go to the ground it's not easy to uh, get people to listen to you so right. ability to influence is required in every csr professional and when they start listening when you're talking of uh, let's say water management if you're talking of uh, crop management the result comes after few months now those few months are months of anxiety i'll give you another example why too many orchards are not grown in villages you don't find villages planting orchards because the result of an orchard comes after 5 years to 8 years and after 5 years if you realize that i have planted a wrong variety of fruit so the particular mango seeing the mango plant i don't know what kind of a output it gave me but after 8 years i may know that yes i've got a wrong variety of mango that doesn't get me a good price then what my 8 years are gone so it's very important to build a infrastructure which gives confidence to people that yes you can uh, get the right variety of plant the right variety of seed because the gestation period in all this is long and for a farmer if it's a marginal farmer 2 acres of land something goes wrong the entire year's livelihood is at stake so as csr professionals we have to be very careful that we can't put the family at stake if right. something goes wrong we are responsible 
right. while we want to develop them the process of development should not be painful that's a... so it's a very touch and go you have to work shoulder to shoulder and you have to do pilots people have to learn from the pilots there'll be some errors that will happen the errors have to be corrected there and then and again as i said we have to collaborate with those farmers and the collaboration is which brings about success in the life that changes the life of the farm we are not the change agent it's a collaboration between them and us which brings about the change that's again well well put sir but obviously you may not uh, take the credit directly but i can see it uh, you you certainly need catalyst for change and the catalyst has to be a has to be a you know good catalyst and not not something which spoils the broth you know and nowadays you don't treat many cooks to spoil the broth even one untrained cook is enough to you know not make anything so coming coming to the csr professionals sir because they are the ones who have all the such a big responsibility of changing a lot on the ground and changing the future of india to a great extent through their hard work and because uh, it's such a important work that they are doing in terms of csr professionals when we talk about you said there is a huge shortage at the moment so does that mean that csr as you said csr is going to be a big thing in the coming time so two two points here is csr if uh, a big uh, option for people who can actually want some sort of a self actualization in their lives as well as do you know uh, do good in terms of career also and how do you fill this gap of untrained csr professionals or less trained csr professionals how do you see the way about what is the future for a csr professional as you see it see as a career uh, i would say this is a upcoming career and a uh, lot of new jobs will get created in this space of csr now what kind of a talent is required one side is the social side that you understand the society but that's not enough understanding the society is not enough because there are interventions which have to be made and in right. most cases the interventions that are required would be technical so if you're talking of healthcare you need healthcare experts if you're talking of education you need people who understand education who need the who understand the learning outcomes if you're talking in the space of agriculture you need people who understand the entire agriculture from uh, seed to harvest to post harvest uh, sorting grading storage and how do you connect market linkages if you're talking of uh, cattle and goat you need people who understand uh, veterinary so as i was saying earlier this is not a space for one field or one specialization it's not social work we need a lot of technical skills because low cost technology is what is required by rural india okay and what are those interventions which can turn around the income of people in rural india the way i see it that it's wrong to attempt very large things it's best to attempt 
that at an individual level, how can I increase the income of individuals? So if it was an X last year, can I take it to 1.25 X? And even if I'm able to take it at 1.25 X for three years, the income is more than doubled. And the lifestyle doesn't change so fast. The biggest expense for a person in rural India is health and education. And both these things that require cash. So the, if the cash flow and if the farmers are dependent on a single crop, how do you get them into multiple crop, multiple sources of income? With the farm, how do they have proper cattle, proper goats? How do they have a, a good quality kitchen garden? You'll be surprised to know that good quality kitchen garden does not exist in rural India. It does not. And in most cases, the rural India is actually consuming fruit, which is coming uh, fruit and vegetable, which is coming from the mandi. The culture of growing your own uh, vegetable and fruits doesn't exist in majority part of the country. In certain seasons, they have the majority of the time they buy. Is it possible to bring about a change? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. The villages were always self-reliant. They can again be made self-reliant, and they can be trained into how to generate that cash in. Cash is what is in short supply. Okay, so, so rural India or Bharat is, uh, it has a lot of gaps and it is a lot of opportunity also for people who are serious in CSR. You, as ICSI Foundation, you have lots of projects in, you know, across uh, you know, the rural uh, areas or across the country in different, different under different different projects how do you view all your projects and look at it from a distance that has it impacted bharat the real rural india how has it impacted how much has it been benefited actually from your point of view when you do uh, assessment of the activities that you have done or and or are still doing See, every time we identify a project, the first premise of a project is that we've gone to a particular uh, geography. So in most cases, we call it, call it a village. And what is the village producing? What is the village consuming? What are the shortages and surplus? Whatever is in shortage, can it be cultivated locally or can it be produced locally by the same residents of the village? If it can, then their cash outflow reduces. Second part, what is the surplus which they're selling in the market to generate cash? What is the price they're getting? That surplus, can it be processed better? So in one big example I'll give you. Uh, pick up a packet of rice from a mall and pick up a packet of rice in a village. The 
two are totally different produce. The looks are very different. One looks nice, shiny, same size. The other will have all sizes, could be slightly muddy too. So the producers never care for the consumers. That care comes from the middlemen. They pick up the produce from rural India, grade it, sort it, clean it, and then package it for the urban consumers. But why can't the rural India do it themselves? Okay. They'll get a better price. So I'm saying whatever surplus. I'll give you another example of fruits. The fruits we buy in the market. You see a stack of fruit. Most of the fruit will be of similar size. Now, no mango tree or apple tree gives produce of the same size. So there's a process of grading sorting which happens. And in process of grading sorting, there are good 20-25% of the fruit which are of odd shapes and sizes. Right. Which is not marketable as a table fruit. Now, what do you do with that? So if you have a processing center, when all this waste, so-called waste because it can't be sold at a price in market, can be pulped, processed into something else. So if you have apple, you can convert it to apple cider vinegar or you convert mango into dried mango or uh, mango juice. So all these are products which comes from the waste. But if you don't have a processing center in the village, the value addition cannot happen. So I'm happy to share that as of now, in the last two years, uh, we have set up 260 small scale food processing centers in rural India. 260? Uh, yes, 260. That's a huge number. Yeah. And that so needs a lot of money also. No, it doesn't. What we realize that uh, the large scale or the medium scale food processing plants are not doing very well. But this micro units in villages can sustain. So there's hardly any rental. The capital to convert it into kitchen quality comes from our foundation. And the local women are trained into the hygiene of food processing. And once they start maintaining the hygiene, one, the food is processed. The second, the quality buyers come in because they're seeing the quality of hygiene. And being a corporate, we are able to invite uh, buyers to come and see. We can't uh, force them to buy, but we can invite them to come and see that, yes, there's a small processing center we have set up. Look at the produce, taste the produce. If you like it, then you negotiate with the producers. But then we have a, then we do not have a role. But we do bring in buyers. And uh, one of a big success has been these centers are run by self-help groups and they manage everything. We are just the creators of it and trainers of it. And this 260 will very soon convert into few thousand in times to come. 3,000? Few thousand. Oh, few thousand. Yeah. So that's so that. Yeah. Have, you, have you got any timeline for that? Uh, I would not like to put timelines. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Fair, fair enough, but that's that's very heartening, you know, with the impact and the work that you people are 
doing on the ground. As I said, a person like me does not need to see any advertisement for ICHA Foundation. A person like me does not need to see any other activity on the ground because I experienced it. A lot of people must be experiencing it in their own lives with the projects that you are putting on the ground. And a lot of people want to be a part of it, perhaps. I saw ICICI Academy, a lot of courses were there, you know, digital courses. Uh, I was impressed, means there is so much to gain out of, you know, a, a website like yours. Now, how do, do people experience ICICI Foundation? Uh, is it that they wait for a project of yours to come into their lives? Or if they want to connect with you people, how do they want to do it? Suppose if they want to do a course or they want to connect with you people for a project, want to add to it, not for a job or anything, but just to be a part of the good work that you are doing, just some sort of a sense how to get connected with ICICI Foundation. See, at any point of time, we keep looking for uh, good technical ideas which can be converted for benefit of the rural population. Typically, what we find that cost of technology is very, very high and prohibitive for small and marginal farmers. So our area of interest is that uh, any technological innovation, which is beneficial for small and marginal farmers, if it's financially viable, how to take it to the farmers and probably the manufacturer or the innovator may not have the wherewithal. But yes, at ICSA Foundation, we can assist them in conducting pilots with the farmers. And if the pilot is successful, then the farmers are free to buy or reject the product. But yes, as ICSA Foundation, we are willing to assist the people who want to do rural innovation. Any kind of rural innovation, it fits into our scheme of things. And we are always willing to evaluate and collaborate to make things successful, which the end result should be a benefit to the small and marginal or even landless farm. Anything for Fine. rural India, any innovations, we are most welcome to talk, with, to discuss and to take it to rural India. Right, sir. Right. Now, as last question, as I, I would just, uh, any special tips or as a closing sort of a thing to sum up, what would be your, you know, few words to uh, CSR professionals as uh, as they move forward now, overall? How do they look at it? See, I've talked of corporate CSR and uh, see the corporate CSR by design gives you funds to spend. And all of us know that when we are feeling low at home, we go out shopping. We go and spend money and feel good. Now, it's very lovely or, or, to be in a position. Or wives, wives go for shopping and the men feel low at home. <laughs> yeah, so it's, carry really, on. so it's really lucky that uh, one gets to handle foundation and uh, be responsible for investing the funds which uh, the organization gives you and to spend it responsibly and to bring about some amount of change 
and sustainable change, which in the long run helps the brand. So if the society has trusted us with their money, we handle so much of uh, money of individuals. When we go back, we need to give back to the society what we have gained from the system. Right. And that's exactly what we are trying to do. That if we have benefited economically from the society, we'll make the society also benefit economically by our interventions. And that's what keeps us driving. And uh, <clears throat> my take for CSR professionals is uh, we are a very large country, very diverse country with very diverse requirement. So what I, what I am saying holds true for me, my thoughts, anything and everything you do, the country needs, the country needs. There are more than 600,000 villages, no corporate can cover. The governments are struggling to reach out and develop these areas. Sundarban has no roads. The Himalayan region has uh, roads for few months in a year. Rest of the year, they are cut off. Some places don't have water. Some places have excess of water. So there's a variety of need that needs attention, that needs work. And if all of us put our best together, the society will somewhere thank all of us for doing some good deed for them. So that's what I would say that uh, continue with the good work. The people of India needs uh, need some amount of technical intervention which will help them become get a sustained livelihood. That's what I look at. Great, sir. Very good. Nice to hear your thoughts. And on this note, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Adit.